Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to Breeding, Bloodstock and Banter with Gareth Hall and the Captain. Hello, welcome to another episode of Breeding Bloodstock and Banter. Gareth Hall with you, of course, or with the captain, Guy Mulcaster. Guy, hello to you. Jeez, it's an exciting time of the year. Hey, guess what? I'm in Melbourne and it is like Gold Coast weather. Unbelievable. Yes, I'm sure it is, Gareth. No, I'm telling you, Captain, you would be wearing your shorts and T-shirts in Melbourne as we get set for another big day of racing at, at Flemington. They tell me the weather's pretty good in Sydney as well. Yeah, it should be good everywhere. The horses are starting to look amazing and the racing's really starting to hot up. Throughout this hour, we'll catch up with Craig Rausenfell, um, known as Boomer. He's over there at Keeneland. It's day two of the sale. I caught up with him a little earlier, so great to catch up with Boomer. Geez, he lives some life as a, as a bloodstock agent captain. He goes all around the world, a little bit like yourself, but he's he spends a lot of time in America. So I'm looking forward to having a chat to him. Mike Nemone from, of course, New Zealand Bloodstock will be joining us. But, Captain, there's plenty to get through um, with you here in the breeding bloodstock and banner with the captain um, Looking this forward, week. Gareth. Let's get stuck into some of the hot topics. The first of all, I need to ask you this. We'll get it uh, We'll get it out of the way. Kovalika, um, how did you think he performed there the other day first up? And is he on target for a, a race like the Epsom? Happy enough, Gareth. I think you've got to realise that he did, he did start off his racing career in a 1,400-metre maiden. Some of the punters thought he might be able to win a group two at 1,300. He was... Uh, he was favourite before the barrier draw came out. Once that barrier draw came out, that would pay to that. He started $16, so I think that t- told the tale of his chances. Yeah. Um, what, do you, what do you think his race is this spring? I think he's going to have a really good chance in the Epsom. Depends on what weight he gets. I'd expect him to get about 54.5, um, and that would give him a pretty good chance if he got a soft barrier. But there's a lot of horses that got good ability running in the Epsom, a lot of horses with similar ability in the Epsom, and I think it's going to come down to barrier draws and jockeys. What about your trip to Cairns? Did you have some fun? I should have asked you from the top because it's just I'm so happy that you're alive. Yeah, Cairns went really well, Gareth. We got very well looked after up there, and uh, it was an interesting couple of days of racing. The track was a little bit rain-affected. They came down the middle most of the time, but... uh, I think we spoke about the winner of the cup last week on the show, Sale, and he was very impressive. Okay, so you got the cash as well. Got a little bit to keep us going for the week, Gareth. Now, let's have a chat about some of the weekend's racing and some of the hot topics in the sport at the moment. I'm fascinated by this. The Group 2 McEwen Stakes. We've seen Giggy Kick defeated as a short prize favourite by New Zealand's boom sprinter in Imperatrice. First of all, what did you make of the race, Captain? Uh, interesting ride on the favourite. Yes. Good ride winner. It's interesting you bring that up about the ride of Craig Williams because he is under extreme pressure. In fact, if you if we were a betting man, I don't know if you'd be riding this horse heading towards the rest of his preparation. 
I think there's a couple of factors with the decision that they're weighing up. First of all, that I don't think he rode him that great um, in the Daly Sprint last year, Craig Williams, Skiggy Kick. And he's been basically really good on this horse. And you don't know the work that he does outside of, of race day. But I think that the part that might get Craig Williams into a little bit of trouble, um, Captain, I'd love to get your opinion on this, is that if he gets beat like that and that horse is third and fourth up, um, they might cop it on the chin. But when that horse is first up in a $300,000 race, over a 1,000 metres at Mooney Valley, and he's got a million-dollar race coming up at his next start in the Premier Stakes, and then he's got the $20 million Everest and then a $3 million Daly Sprint. To do that to the horse first up and take off like he did after missing the kick, I think that was a factor that really made the connections a little upset and angry, which yeah, I think's fair enough, Captain. I would like that you, you can you can ruin a preparation by riding a horse like that. Yeah, I think that's between the owners and the jockey. I mean, it wouldn't be my preferred way of seeing the horse run first up, but you probably ran into a pretty good filly in Imperatrice. Uh, she and managed to get the drop on him coming around the turn, and that was the end of the section. So do you think Giga Kick's a better horse than Imperatrix at the moment, or you think that that mare has gone to a new level after watching her on Saturday? I think she was probably pretty well tuned up for the race, um, and there wasn't a hell of a lot of winning hopes in the race. They basically said with Giga Kick during the week that it wasn't their grand final and they weren't terribly worried. It was just the piece between the seven and the five that probably didn't help the uh, whole operation for Mr. Williams. Now, the other big talking point is Imperatrice in this Everest. Now, David Ellis, and I i know you're in New Zealand, you like to keep the car, your cards close to your chest. He was on this show saying to me on Monday that, not this show, my other show, I do giddy up, of course. He was, he was saying that we've been offered deals, but they're not good enough. So we're going to stay in Melbourne and go to the Moya and the Manicato. And then I had an editorial saying that Peter Volandis won't allow that to happen. He'll be making sure that either the ATC or the TAB, for instance, will offer her a deal that's too good to refuse because you can't have a $20 million race without the new, the, the sexy horse on the scene at the moment, New Zealand's best horse who just went straight past the current favourite for the Everest. Um, David Ellis, I think he's playing games. Now, this is just my opinion. I, I think that he's saying that, oh, well, we want to make sure that she has a group one, like she races in the group ones because that's better for her her career as a broodmare and her value as a broodmare. But she's won. I, I, now, this is just me not as a, a, a racing fan. I can't quite understand this. She's won five or six group ones already. And... This is the Everest. Like, if you look on your paper, surely when you have a look at her, 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 her page at the end of her career, winning a Everest would hold more value than winning a, a Manicato or a Moya. Yeah, you got to win it though, Gareth. Correct. I mean, I think she probably came into that race pretty well tuned the other day. I think. Uh, they may realise, and I mean, the market says she's the third favourite for the Everest at the moment, even though she hasn't got a slot. I think horses like I Wish I Win and uh, 
Kikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikikik
Would you go for a horse like a, can a horse like a cylinder winner an Everest? He, he was too good in the group to run to the rose. He needs to, I, I, I find this really interesting under the, the, the way that Cadolphin do business. He needs to win a group one before he, he's eligible or before they will let him run in a, in a race like an Everest. Yeah, I thought he was satisfactory in a race, but, you know, you have a look out wide and there was a number of horses running on that probably it wasn't their grand final and they didn't get beat that far by him. So, you know, we'll just uh, hold the phone and see what happens with Cylinder. What do you think um, What do you think will be the, the thinking of a few of the slot holders at the moment, like Chris Waller Racing, Neil Warrett, Max Whitby? Would, do you think that they'll be looking to sell their slots? Or do you think that they will be backing themselves in maybe to find a, a three-year-old that can do what Giggy Kick did last year? Oh, there's still a number of horses that haven't haven't actually got spots yet. And, um, you know, people like Neil Wehrett and that have, have a reasonably close association with John O'Shea Racing. I'm sure people would be quite happy to have lost and running as trials yes. have been pretty good. I'd expect them to run pretty well on Saturday. Yeah, that shorts is going to be interesting. So do you reckon the winner gets in or they'll just have to weigh up and see who there might be a horse that's a little bit unlucky behind the winner? Well, you've got horses like uh, Lost and Running and Bonos Notches and they probably both deserve to be in the race. So that's two slots that should go. And then, you know, and then they can also wait for the um, Golden Rose the following week and, and try and pinch something out of that, something that runs well. Do you know something that we don't at the moment with the Everest, with the slot holders there, Captain? Not at all, Gareth. I've just got my finger on the pole. <laughs> so, giggy kick, I wish I win. Imperatory's doubtful. Um, you've dampened my spirits a little bit, Captain. Um, think about it. He trolled nicely the other day. I would imagine In Secret represents Cadolphin, Sunshine in Paris. Shinzo will be representing Coolmore. Bonus notches, no slot yet, but... Um, sounds like he's not far away. King's Gambit goes around in Melbourne on Saturday down the straight. Private Eye has got to prove himself just yet, but they tell me that Tab's talking to him. Remark, it's an, if Remark comes out and bolts up, say, in the in the shorts this weekend and defeats, say, a Marzu by two or three lengths, can John can John Massara get on the phone with Star Casino and the connections of Marzu and say, well... Maybe we can work something out here. Maybe I'll push the button too early, Captain. Uh, I think that's a bit of a crystal ball, yeah. really. I know, I know Remark was all right over a 1,000 the other day, but, you know, let's let's talk about Everest and not worry about little pre, pre, preliminary races, and, you know. And Mr. Zhang, would you be starting alcohol-free after you've watched her compete first up last autumn and then in a trial there the other day? I thought alcohol-free was more than adequate in the trial the other day, and Mr. James got a hell of a lot more money than me, and he can do exactly what he pleased. <laughs> it's seven. I reckon that's a very good point you make. We are recording this on a Wednesday morning here. Um, the, the breeding bloodstock and banner with the captain, Guy Molecaster, Gareth Hall with you. We'll need to take a quick break here. And uh, this is the breeding bloodstock and banner podcast. Thanks to Pulele. Pulele won the Group 2 Roman Consul in faster time than exceeded Excel, Fastnet, Rock Susta, and Russian Revolution. We'll come back with plenty more straight after this. You're listening to Breeding, Bloodstock and Banter with Gareth Hall and the Captain.
Welcome back to the Breeding Bloodstock and Banter Podcast. Gareth Hall with you. And we've got a very special guest as we head to the States, to Kentucky, because it's day two of uh, the famous Keyland sales there, the September sales. And this man is well known right across the world these days in the bloodstock game. Craig Rouncefell, known as Boomer, and uh, he joins us now. G'day, Boomer. Thanks for your time. Hey, Tommy. How are we doing? I am well, mate. Um, have you purchased anything yet at these sales? Yeah, we usually uh, we usually go home empty-handed in book one, but we've uh, we just struck with Dan Blacker, uh, trainer in California. We just bought a candy ride cult for uh, one seventy-five, so we're uh, yeah, we're pretty excited. So tell us a ten little... days to go on the sale. Yeah, well, that's a good start. How many do you usually try and buy at these sales? Uh, so I'm looking for um, yeah for California and for for Hong Kong uh, for the jockey club. So. Uh, if we can walk away with a, you know, five or six, we'd uh, we'll be really happy. So tell us a little bit about your background regarding American sales, American uh, the the American racing industry. Yeah, so I did uh, after the Dolphin Flying Start way back in uh, finishing two thousand and seven. I uh, spent some time at Kingman itself uh, doing an internship with the company, and then worked on the racetrack out in California for uh, Hall of Fame and Neil Drysdale. So, uh, yeah, spent a year out there, and my uh, my future wife, we, we got married the year after, and her father was one of the leading trainers, Mike Mitchell. So we spent, uh, for the last 15 years, spending about six months each year between Australia and um, California. So the difference for a bloodstock agent to be good in America compared to Australia, what's the big difference there, Boomer? I think uh, the market over here, like there's Australia... The uh, the auction houses they deal a lot with credit and and syndication, whereas in America you've got a much deeper market. There's no credit; uh, everyone's got to pay in 14 days, and um, the depth of wealth over here is just huge. The the inspection process is a lot different. The sale itself has around four and a half thousand yearlings that all sell in 12 days, so you don't have a lot of time to look at them like you do in Australia. There. They ship in, they show, and then they sell. So you got to make, you know, the, the clients over here are used to making probably fast decisions, and um, yeah, that's probably one of the big differences. So, so the, obviously there's a lot of difference in the, the sport compared to Australia and America. How is the sport going over in the States? And is, this, uh, is, the, is the sales been strong? Oh, they've been phenomenally strong. The, the book one here, it's. Um, like just before you, uh, we jumped on here. I think there was the three horses just jumped over a million. There was uh, one just made two point five million. So it's uh, there's a lot of uh, big players here, and yeah, you know, they're primarily targeting the dirt horses. It's still the you know the king where they're, they're wanting these uh, you know Kentucky Derby type horses, and um, so that's yeah that's another difference over here. You've got those varying types. You've got the turf and the dirt, um, so different breeds within the book itself, and. Yeah, there's lots of different elements, but uh, yeah, a lot of strength of the market right now. So, is there an art to pick a good dirt horse? Yeah, I think to me, it's uh, you know they do have a little bit different confirmation, but a lot of it is in their pedigree. I believe it's um, you know those, those dirt families they seem to come through like the dirt stallions, and um, they do have a little bit different shape to their hind leg. It's a little bit straighter. Um, you know, to get through the dirt, you've got to have a lot of power behind. So you need that huge hip behind and, and generally have a little bit of size and strength about you to, to get through the dirt. But, um, yeah, overall, uh, you know, 
the horses you're looking for anywhere around the world you still you know the basics are still the same so can you compare the talent regarding the, the thoroughbred in the states and australia i guess that we've had a couple of uh, american gallopers of recent times come here we've got princess grace that's performed pretty well on a couple of group ones already for chris mm. wallace she goes around in a Maccabi diva on saturday so can you compare the 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 top end talent in america compared to ours i think so like that like she was a very good um philly mare over here in america uh before the china horse club bought her but um so she was competing at the high level over here so i think you know it does it does definitely correlate uh like the big days like the breeders cup that's coming up at Santa Anita in November. That's like the outside the Kentucky Derby. That's the pinnacle for all everyone that here at Spying. They want to be um, there on Breeders' Cup Day. So um, I think those top horses, they can really compete all around the world. But Americans generally don't travel their horses probably as much as we do in Australia. Um, they like to compete here. And um, there's There's been a bit in recent times taking horses. Wesley Ward taking them over to Royal Ascot yeah. and... Um, but, you know, primarily they stick to uh, yeah, competing here in America. What about from an Australian point of view? Do you think that we'll get to see, I know Henry Field's on the ground there, that we'll start to get into the American market and bring some American blood back to this country? Yeah, over the over you know, many years, the, the breeders have been coming here to Keeneland in November and, and picking up uh, you know, new bloodlines and, trying to inject some more of that American speed and, and different blood into their broodmare bands and you know, very successfully too. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's something that's worked really well. So it's, it's, yeah, definitely an element. I always focus on being here in November for that. Um, but it's, it's, I think it complements like with the, even with the dirt horses, they have to have that speed out of the gate and um, it seems to mix, you know, very well with the Australian blood. And one of the stallions with Craig Roundsavell here on the, the Breeding Bloodstock and Bantam podcast here this week. And Craig, of course, is in Keeneland for, I think it's currently day two of the, the famous September sale there at Kentucky. What are, what are the leading sides at the moment that the American buyers are in love with? Uh, usually into mischief. Um, you know, when, when you see a million dollar a lot in the ring at them, you know, they're usually into mischief. He's He's the reigning champion sire um, over here at the moment. He he actually came to Australia for a couple of seasons early on, but yeah, um, yeah they seem to do everything. Dirt, turf, sprint, go along. So um, he's definitely definitely the flavour of the month over here, that's for sure. I think he stands at around 250000 US. So, um, yeah, he's, he's definitely top of the pecking order. What about a horse like Justify that's made quite a, a mark in Australian racing with a couple of nice horses in the early part of his staying career, we all know he steeds in America. Um, what's his popularity like, and has he produced anything? Yeah, no, he's doing well. He's doing well both um, on dirt and turf. So okay. he's definitely a horse that's that's appealing across the board to the whole market. Really, whether you've got the Europeans, the buying uh, the Japanese, I think yeah, he's definitely going to be staying. The, um, on everyone's list. If they like one, they're going to be stepping in to buy one of those. But, um, yeah, I've been seeing a few of those make some money as well. They're, they're quite popular, for sure. All right, Boomer, who's hard to deal with? Who, who's harder to deal with, the Australian trainers or the American trainers? Uh, the, well, the American trainers are much more in vogue of using agents. The, um, you know, how it's set up over here with the sales, there's so many horses to look at where, you know, by the end of the sale, we will have, 
you know, looked at over 2,000 yearlings. Um, so those getting those short lists and getting trainers around to see them, that very much, um, you know, they don't want to go around getting the bath around the barns. Whereas I guess in Australia, the trainers do get around on the, on the sales circuit. Um, so I think, um, yeah, it's, it's it's very enjoyable being an agent over here, that's for sure. You, um, you've got to put in a hard hours, but that's totally worth it. Yep. All right, mate. Well, you have fun over the next, what, um, how many more days left? About 10 days, nine days left? Yeah, another yep. 10 days to go. We've, we're running um, Kick Collective, who does the, the marketing with us in Australia. They're over here, and we're producing a, the Keeneland Files. Dan Blacker and I are putting that out on social media each day. Oh, sensational. And uh, the little, little snippets, you can follow us on there and, and keep an eye on what's happening. Beautiful. I think it'll be a lot of fun. And when do you head back to Australia? Because that season, our sales season, it's not far away now. It probably never ends for you. Yeah, I've got, after this, I've got a yearling sale in California uh, for California bred horses and then back to Australia to collect the family. And then we, we come back up for the horses in training sale in England. Um, the Breeders' Cup in California, I've got a, I'll have a runner. We had the Taurus one at Del Mar in the Turf Sprint and qualified for the, the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint. So that'll be exciting. And then back here to Keeneland uh, in November for the Broodmare sale. So we'll knock those out and then, uh, yeah, head back back home and get ready for Magic Millions. So where is your home these days? Australia still? Uh, the Gold Coast. Yep. Yeah, the Gold Coast. We've, we've got a couple of acres in the hinterland there and uh, my wife's American. So we've, we've our, our two sons, my uh, oldest just started school this year on the Gold Coast. So we're um, yeah, a little bit more tied down than in the past. But uh, yeah, we're still still spending you know, quite a bit of time over here in the States. Your favourite sale? Uh, it's actually this one. This okay. one or the horse in running sale in, in England. It's that's been a a a fun one. But yeah, this I guess at this sale at the, at, you can really because they're selling so many horses. They sell four hundred a day um, once you get into book two. So you know with with such large numbers, you can get lucky. Whereas I guess in Australia, that you've got so much time to look at them and um, yeah, a lot more time to for everyone to get around. Whereas here, things can slip between the cracks. Well, boom, it's fascinating stuff, mate. Um, hopefully you buy a few more, but it's great to see you on the board there um, with book one. And, um, yeah, I'll be following you on, on your social media platforms with interest. Um, but, yeah, great to have a chat to you here on the Breeding Bloodstock and Banner podcast. We appreciate it. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. He's a star. Craig Boomer Rousseffeld does a wonderful job. Fascinating life. And um, he's been a very, very good blood bloodstock agent now for... Many a year. We'll come back with plenty more straight after this. You're listening to Breeding, Bloodstock and Banter with Gareth Hall and the Captain. Welcome back to the Breeding, Bloodstock and Banter podcast with the Captain Guy Moldcaster. You're with Gareth Hall and our special guest is Mike Kneebone once again from New Zealand Bloodstock the head auctioneer from NZB and also the Director of Business Development at New Zealand Bloodstock. Mike, good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. First of all, congratulations. You were um, awarded with a recognition that you thoroughly deserved at the New Zealand Horse of the Year Awards there on the weekend for your global contribution to the New Zealand racing industry. Um, It's well-deserved, mate, and congratulations on behalf of everybody here. Yeah, morning, morning, Gareth, and good morning, Guy, and thank you very much. I certainly um, 
feel like I've made it now that I've had two weeks in a row on the podcast as well. So <laughs> my life's really uh, taken a turn for the better in the last couple of weeks. And and Guy, have you ever won an award like that before? Have you been close? No, I've never even been nominated for any awards, Gareth. But we'll just keep chugging it on. And uh, and I know that uh, Jackson's had 33 winners by Blue Point, so that's going to get a real plug in the next section. <laughs> so, so Mike, it's, I know you don't like talking about yourself, but um, it must have been satisfying with all of the work. And uh, I, I guess I think in any job that if you can actually make a difference, um, then you've done a pretty good job. And that's what you've been able to do. Yeah, I guess so. And um, I think, that you know, it's interesting. That, that Global Award has only been running for a couple of years. It's, it's an offshoot of the contribution to the New Zealand Thoroughbred Industry Award as well. So um, the previous two winners have been uh, Paul O'Sullivan last year and uh, Chris Waller was the year before. So I would say I'm in, in elite company there, but the big thing for me is <clears throat> the recognition to the auction house, you know, to New Zealand bloodstock and and all the work that um, that goes into the um, industry that probably you know flies under the radar a fair bit and um, you know as Guy would know, uh, bloodstock agents and all these guys that spend a lot of time overseas, um, clients probably don't get a real good idea of of what goes into it. So. Um, to get that recognition and, and, as I say, for the auction house was, was a real buzz. So what does go into it, Mike? Can you explain that to our listeners? Oh, not a lot, really, Gareth. <laughs> Obviously, you have to do a lot of work behind the scenes to promote <laughs> New Zealand racing. Yeah, look, it, it, as I say, I, I think it's a team effort and I certainly thought that I'd um, taken one for the team there in, in the uh, awards in the weekend, but... It's it's about um, communication with uh, clients overseas, owners, and you know being able to promote the industry from a long, long way way uh, from New Zealand and getting them to go to New Zealand and buy horses. And um, you know it's one thing to get people to buy horses, but it's to get them to actually come to New Zealand is a feat in itself. There's so many places they can go before they get there. Um, and once we get them in New Zealand, well, then it's good for everybody. It's good for the for the trainers, the horse float people, the vets, the um, you know anybody saddlery, anybody involved in the industry gets a shot at it. So um, it, it, it's an enormous um, industry. Uh, just the fact of getting people down there, and without the marketing teams that we have, which I. I always said as people know consider them as good as any company in the world um, and a team that uh, goes out and promotes a product that's pretty easy to um, you know to promote now is it is it been easier over the last couple of years but especially has it been easier to try and um, get people to New Zealand for the ready for run sale coming up and then for Karaka next year with the success of the, the New Zealand breed, especially in this, in Australia over the last 12 months? Yeah, well, I think so. I mean, we, we had a look, one of the things, well, there's two things really. One of them is the quality. Um, the other one is the value, you know, um, the New Zealand horse has got, uh, you know, a world renowned for the uh, value of the horses there. 
And, um, you know, we talk about the golden 60s and lucky Swain S's and things the other day, but um, I thought that was a huge result of Sharp and Smart on the, on the uh, awards night. He, he was a New Zealand uh, bloodstock ready to run um, and Caracasale graduate, actually, uh, for the great Rogie, one horse of the year um, after what could only be described as an amazing three-year-old season. And, you know, horses like him, he, he won the Herbie Dyke in New Zealand. He won the Derby. Um, he won the, uh, the the Spring Stakes. And um, he won the Gloaming Stakes as well and, and earned about $3 million in prize money. So, you know, horses like him and then going out and winning Horse of the Year and uh, having Graham Rogerson on the stage talking about him mm. for about 40 minutes was, um, <laughs> you know, what makes it such a such an easy thing to sell. And the ready-for-run sales just around the corner. Um, it'll come up pretty quickly. So looking forward to that. And Tiako Racing had a big day. We had a chat about that with Guy in the early part of the show, and Paratrees was very good. But, geez, they've got some... Um, exciting young horses as well that stepped out there at Hastings like this Tokyo Tycoon. How good can he be? Yeah, he's a very cool horse, uh, Tokyo Tycoon. Um, you know, he, he he's another uh, New Zealand bloodstock graduate. He won the um, two-year-old category by a, by a mile, I think, on, on uh, Sunday night. Um, the interesting thing about him, he's by Satano Aladdin and um, Penny Wecker, who won the champion middle uh, distance horse um, or rather claimed the uh, champion stayer uh, are both by Satano Aladdin um, so he's proving to be a really really good sire for us that horse there at um, at uh, Rich Hill Stud um, and Tokyo Tycoon just listening to them on uh, Sunday night I never realised but he's um, he's 400 and 30 kilos, I think they said, Guy. Um, yeah. So there you go. Yeah, I, think, I would say that... Uh, what's that, mate? I think that's a shandy bigger than some Labrador pups. Yeah, exactly. And I've seen uh, Butch up there on the stage. You know, Andrew Castle's the great man. He's one of the owners in that. And um, look, they probably didn't even um, have a look at the horse before they went into the Tiakau syndicates. But it just goes to show you how good they do it. Um, at picking horses, and um, it doesn't matter if they're um, big or big or small. Really, he's he's certainly a great example of it, and um, you know what a, what a great horse he is. So they've got Quintessa that's unbeaten as well, guys. So they've been able to have a big day, Tiako Racing, and um, it was interesting tonight, guy, that they they've got this base at Cranbourne. But because of the prize money increases there in New Zealand, horses like Quintessa and Tokyo Tycoon, according to David Ellis, is that we're not going to see them in Australia this spring, which I thought was was interesting. Yeah, well, they've probably got to they've probably got to promote their hometown thing. They've got races like the thousand, two thousand guineas in New Zealand. They've got the crack a million races. They need to be well represented in them because they're going to have a number of yearlings to sell after Caracas next year. Yeah. And Mike, which horse would you prefer in an Everest? Imperatrice or I Wish I Win? Oh, well, I, you know, I mean, <clears throat> firstly, talking about Tiakau um, and how they'll go about their racing, they've obviously, uh, it's all about the horse, isn't it, and what's best for them. And um, there's no, no clearer 
picture than that of what they're saying they're doing with Imperatrice, and and I guess that answers that question. But um, look, the, the, everyone that seems to know about it says that she's better off going the other way round, and um, that they're on the right track for uh, the three Group Ones that they're chasing for that filly. She's worth an absolute fortune, and um, you know, if I wish I win shows his brilliance on the day that we've seen in his races, well, you know, I wouldn't mind having a leg in him. Yeah. Um, he's going to be hard to beat wherever he goes. I wish I win. Skewiff, of course, the daughter of Savabil, talking about Waikato start and their star horses. Skewiff was able to get the job done there in the Group 1 Tarsino Trophy. I think we'll see her in Australia. There's plenty of options for her. But I, I like the run of Legato, Captain. I thought she was sensational. Uh, well, she showed last time, Gareth, that she's pretty bloody good. And Ken Kelso is not scared to just tune them up how he wants to. I thought her run was really good, as you did, Gareth. You'll be, she'll be seen in Sydney in the next few weeks, and I'm sure she's going to acquit herself very well. Yep. so I think her main aim is the, the Golden Eagle towards the back end of the spring, Mike. And... Then we've got the ready for run sale. Um, how's the interest been there, heading towards that that sale coming up at the end of the year? Yeah, really good. Um, Andrew Seabrook's just returned from um, a trip up to Korea. We've been working with the Koreans for quite a few years now, and uh, they've indicated they'd like to come back to the ready to run this year. So that that's a good boost for our vendors because. Um, the KRA uh, don't purchase at any other sale, uh, two-year-old sale in the Southern Hemisphere. So that's a good one. And uh, Andrew Birch and myself from uh, New Zealand Thoroughbred Marketing, he'll be joining me uh, in a couple of weeks. We'll go to Singapore, um, Malaysia, uh, Hong Kong, and then back through Perth. So we're really um, we're, we're on top of the job and, and um, you know not slowing down. And the interest's been really good. Catalogs are out, obviously, mate, which um, has been well received. And uh, yeah, just um, looking forward to getting into it now. And then, of course, the breeze ups in in October. Yeah. Um, don't want to make it all about NZB today, boys. But um, you're talking about Skewiff before and Savabeel, and obviously, you know, we know what a great sire he is. But when I did the inspections at Waikato Stud this year guy the um i think their horses were more forward than i've seen them in a long time and gee it's a good draft of horses mate yeah well i've got a few people going over to new zealand later in the year and we're going to drop into waikato stud and we'll probably see half a dozen of their yearlings and uh enjoy a little bit of their hospitality so you, you highly recommend it we should find one there at that farm there mike and we'll get guy to pick one out for us well, the thing thing about uh, New Zealand, it doesn't matter where you go, you're probably going to find a very good one, Gareth. But, um, you know, Waikato uh, stud is, is world-renowned, aren't they? As I have said a number of times today about uh, the New Zealand bread. And, um, look, I, I just, uh, you know, I think with their broodmare band and the way that they farm their horses and the way that they present them, and their results on the board, you know, um, you'd be doing yourself a favour going along there like you would to a, a Trelawney or a Hounui or a Cambridge or whatever it might be. I'm going to miss one out, Guy, and God knows what will happen. Let Lavendale. Um, just the, <laughs> Absolutely. Just the last one before we let you go, Mike, you mentioned about your trip through out 
different parts of Australia and to parts of Asia, um, selling the message there for NZB. What are you hearing out of countries like a Singapore? Um, there was talk that maybe they could turn around that decision that the government made to shut down racing. Are you hearing anything out of those countries of, of recent times? I know that was Mauritius well, was under a bit of pressure as well, they were telling me. Yeah, I don't know about Mauritius. I can't talk on behalf of them, but um, or, or Singapore, really. But um, what I do know is that, you know, I lived there for a long time. Um, I know some people, you know, that are pretty high up in some big places there. And, and I, I also know that when they make a decision, that's it. And um, I would I would be very very surprised if uh, if racing continued after October next year if that's the date that the government have said that they want these this uh, you know this racing closing down at that date will um, you know it's it's sort of nothing to them really um, to do that and they'll just move on that that's my thoughts on Singapore okay. but. We, we have a great association with Singapore, with trainers, with owners. We're pushing uh, the New Zealand and Australian racing industry um, heavily as an option for owners to look at to, to race horses. And um, I know that Korea are doing the same with uh, Singapore and, and also Macau, which are, are in a bit of a state of bother as well. But... Um, both those countries, Singapore and Macau, have not been the linchpins for us like they have been in the uh, you know ten years ago. For example, the numbers that they've been purchasing over the last five or six years, Gareth, has been woeful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's sad. I would have yeah, to, to see what happened, especially over there in, in Singapore. But um, yeah, let's hope we can get a few of those owners to. Australasian racing that would be sensational thanks for your time Mike congratulations on that award once again thoroughly deserved mate and um, yeah we'll probably catch up with you next week yeah good as gold great to uh, chat to you Gareth and and Kathy always lovely to chat to you mate and I'll send you a photo of the award mate (laughs) good on you Michael I'm going I'm, I'm nominating you next year guy I won't get any any votes so yeah, I'll, I'll vote for you. Don't worry about that. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back with plenty more on the Breeding Bloodstock and Banner podcast. you with the captain, Guy Molecaster and Gareth Hall. You're listening to Breeding Bloodstock and Banter with Gareth Hall and the captain. Welcome back to the Breeding Bloodstock and Banter podcast with the captain, Guy Molecaster. Gareth Hall with you. Been a lot of fun today. In fact, she's a... You've, you've got me on the back foot a little bit. I think you had me on the ropes there in the early part of the show there when we were discussing Imperatrix. And I can't believe you've, like, I know the All Blacks have struggled in the early part of the World Cup, but, geez, you've jumped ship pretty quickly, haven't you, Captain? Saying that she's no chance in the Everest. You know what? You what? just don't worry about what happens at the beginning of the season, Gareth. You've got to worry about at the end when they dish Correct. out the mid. Okay, this filly... Um, by my, I'm Invincible. Vinny's had a wonderful start to the spring. Charm Stone. Do you think the Phillies can mix it with the Colts heading towards a race like a Golden Rose? Well, she's got no convictions. The last two runs have been amazing. They paid a hell of a lot of money for it. The yearling sales. 1.5 just... million. What's that? 1.5 million Seamus Mills paid for her. And good on him too. 
The more the more they win, the more they cost the next year. Yes. So can she defeat horses like Cylinder and Shinzo in a Golden Rose? Uh, I think I think she's done a good job in Melbourne. Let's see what Shinzo does next week. Yeah. What do you think he'll do? Would you prefer right now, and I'm going to have this conversation on my show with um, a group of um, of my um, my colleagues. Who who's the who's going to be the best three year old at the end of the season in Australia? I think we've got a wonderful group of three year olds. Amazing group of three year olds, Gareth. And you got to remember, you're going to split it up over twelve to fourteen hundred meters, sixteen eight yep. meters, thousand and Derby horses. You know. So I think uh, if you're going to pigeonhole it, and I know where you're probably trying to angle is the 12 and 1400 meter horses. No, so, no. Do you want to you hear know? mine? Do you want to hear mine before you um, pigeonhole me? I, I reckon Militarize and Tom Kitten would be up in my top two or three at the moment to be the star three-year-olds. You got one right, not convinced about the other one. Okay. Which one, Militarize? Did I get him right? Militarize will absolutely jump out of the ground when he gets his blinkers on in the in the Caulfield Guineas. Yeah, is he a? Could he be a Cox Plate horse? Could he be the three year old Cox Plate horse that they're looking for, Captain? Yeah, why wouldn't he be? Yeah. I mean, they're standing state arrest at Newgate. They'd love to stand two Cox Plate winners, wouldn't they? Yeah. So, who do you think will be the best three year old at the end of the the, the spring? Poor. I'm not really that smart, Gareth, but I think there'll be a number of horses that'll come through and look pretty good. So I'm looking forward to Shinzo next week. And I think you're right on the plate with Militarise. And there's a pretty good horse running this Saturday called Kadinsky Abstract, who's running at Flemington down the straight. And I think he'll go really, really well. And you might put his name in lights later in the year. Could he, if he wins down the straight at Flemington, could Chris Wallace say, all right, then you're, you're my Everest representative? Uh, it's sort of thing. I think if he happened to win down the straight, he'd be, uh, he'd cool. be getting ready for the Cornwall. Yep. Stepati's an interesting horse. He won the McKenzie. He's a, he's a son of Artie Schiller, um, trained by Paul Pruska. Big raps on this three-year-old as well. And I think the other best part about this, this three-year-old division is that there's a strong rivalry between the best of Victoria taking on the best of New South Wales. Totally, and it's the same thing every year, Gareth. But uh, that horse of Pushkas looked pretty good at Mooney Valley on Saturday, uh, and he's yep. obviously going to step up. He'd be even better on big tracks, and he'd be even better over further. Yeah, totally agree. Rebel Dane statistics don't lie. Upgrade your mare, sire of the champion, two-year-old filly, Fireburn, winner of the Group 1 Golden Slipper and size produce. Jackson France joins us, Jacko. Gareth, good morning, Captain. How are you? Hey, guess what, Captain? I should take a picture and we'll put it up. He's got the blue point hat on. <laughs> you can't make this. You can't make this up. I got about six of them. Paid forty four thousand for a service fee. Deserves a hat. Yeah. Um. I'm a bit. Have you been listening to the captain out the back while you've been recording this? Yeah, he's been on fire today. It's great. Yes. I'm loving it from him. It's good. Um. Now, well, Jackson. Yeah. Yes, Captain. Thirty three is your lucky number for the day. He is flying at the moment, Blue Point. Blue Lemons overnight was impressive there at Leicester. <laughs> you so, know that um, overnight. So um, I wake up, refresh the um, Skybet app and um, check the results each and every day. But Two Darn Hot's also flying there for the daily operation, getting his first Group 1 winner. So there's a bit of competition there for Blue Point in the first season. Sire standings over there in the north. 
Hey, well, Gareth, I think you might have to check Jackson's bank account because there's obviously a few blue notes going in there. Oh, no, I think he's like, <laughs> no, he's jumped ship from the Blue Army, haven't you? You left Darling. Yeah, I've gone over to Rosemont, gone to Hanseatic this season, cheaper okay. price point. So um, I'm sure we can head back to Darling next year and there's a little bit of more green in the bank. Have you got the cotton on clothes? Has Mitho looked after you there? I want to get one Rosemont. of those Rosemont puffers. They're pretty impressive. Yeah, I so think I Patrick think I Dangerfield's wearing one around the other day. Might have to flick him an email yeah. there and get one sorted. When you look... Melbourne, it's bloody freezing every day. You need a puffer jacket. Now, sure. how do we send in a question to the captain? Yeah, so you can contact me through my work email, jackson.frans, F-R-A-N-T-Z, at sen.com.au. And there's been a few that have flown through this week, Gareth, so it's good to see the engagement there from our loyal listeners. Love it. Take it away, then. So the first one's from Mitch Captain. He says, what advice do you have for an aspiring bloodstock agent? Where is the best place to start, and how should you go about working towards your goal? Well, I think, uh, Mitch, the first thing you want to do is get a job in the school holidays at a horse stud. Do that for two or three years, every Christmas holidays. That'll give you a bit of a grounding. And if you're not sick of it after after that, you'd be trying to get a job at a sales company. You probably want to do six or eight years there. And then if you're still not cured, you probably want to go out on your own. But what I would say is you want to start at the bottom, learn all about it, see if you hate it or love it, and then continue on from there. Mitch has sent through a second one, Captain, and he says, who are the people that have had the biggest influence on your career in racing and what is the best advice you have received along your journey as a bloodstock agent? I had a number of people that have been influential in uh, in what I've done. Uh, people like Laurie Laxon and Sir Peter Valor and uh, Joe Walls and people like that have been very helpful. But I think what you've got to learn is to look at an animal and see what it's going to be like as a racehorse. Like some yearlings are very well prepared and they probably don't improve a lot from that. But you get horses that have got the physical frame and once the physical development comes, they turn into good racehorses and I can name a number of those. But um, that would be a good little piece of advice I would add. Do you enjoy mixing and, and doing business with some powerful people that have had so much success in business and um, have done extremely well, Captain? Yeah, I that mean, would be intimidating like, to some, I would imagine. I think, uh, I think we've all got something in common, and you know, when you go to meet these people, you know the horses I've had that have done the job and uh, and put them put them in lights, and you know, and you can talk about it on a on a similar sort of level. So Jesse sent through two questions, Captain. The first of those is this: She goes, "Are you more inclined to purchase yearlings from vendors that you've had success with in the past, or do you take each individual horse on their merits?" Well, Jackson, I think you're not so much looking to buy yearlings off vendors that you've had success from in the past. You're looking to buy them off farms that have produced good horses previously. Mm. Yeah. And Jesse's follow-up question to that is, how much emphasis do you place on farm inspections prior to the sales? Uh, 10% maybe. The horses change so much in the last four or five weeks, they don't actually physically grow up, but they tune up. So if you can sort of think that a football player is sort of ready in the preseason and he's going along scoring all the tries, you've got to think if he's going to keep improving or he's just better than the others at that point in time. I hope Mrs. Molcast is not listening to this show again because she'll be saying, all right, then, Guy, I don't know why you want to go to all these farm inspections if you're, <laughs> if you're telling me it's only worth 10%. <laughs> and you, you, every percent counts, love. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, any more, Jacko? Uh, yeah, maybe. Maybe you should go around on tour with... Um, I think the captain's got a few people in the queue. He's got his apprentice over there. Um, the name escapes my mind. Leith Innes. Leith Innes. So um, there's a long list. So I'll um, yeah try to get in touch with uh, someone and see if they can take me on board. We're uh, working towards that. But uh, that's all we've got for questions for the captain this week. And like I mentioned, you can email me on jackson.franz, at sen.com.au. What about the captain's pick this week? Where do we look? Where where are we looking towards, um, captain? Well, I'm going for the Maccabi Diva. I think... Uh, that Mr. Brightside and Alligator Blood will be bloody hard to beat again. But I think Ossipenko will be good each way odds. I know he's yes. come on from his last run. It was a satisfactory run at Caulfield. Getting to Flemington, double-figure odds. Mark Zara, I think he'll run a really, really good race. I've been all over Ossipenko now. I, I thought I was getting overs a few weeks ago. He's, he's still at the same price. But Flemington, um, he'll be getting the job done. i tell you what. Captain, you should look. You, there's a race at Flemington that you should make sure that you set your alarm for. Because you, yeah. you've never seen anything like it before. She's a daughter of Sayuni. She's a flying yeah. machine from the West. I know. She's oh. amazing. She, 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 she works and runs 10 and a half furlongs, look like, and she looks like she's jogging. Well, that's amazing. Well, I'm sure you're going to be out there with your West Australian flag on on Saturday, Gareth, from all your mates, Sir Walshie and Simon yes. Miller over from the West, and you'll be having a bloody big old party, and I'd love to be there with you in a couple of weeks when she runs on Turnbull Stakes Day. Do you know what I'm going to do just for you? I'm going to get Walshie to sponsor you, Amelia Park. There you go. And he can deliver some of the most beautiful reds that you'll ever have, Captain. I'm perfect. Yep. Perfect. That'll be by the time by the time Jackson's bank account's finished, I'll be getting one bottle of red and one bottle of white, and it'll be hand-delivered so they don't have to pay any postage. Beautiful. Brought to you by Amelia Park, um, the great guy, Moldcaster, who'll be the number one fan of Amelia's Jewel by the time the spring is completed. Captain Ewan, what are you doing today? Well, what do you get up to? What's the captain up to at the Gold Coast uh, in his penthouse? We've got... We've got a horse racing today. I hope it runs well in race one at Sandown called Usk Valley. And then we've got a number of runners in Sydney and a couple of runners in Brisbane. And I've got a couple of yearlings I've got to tidy up. So that should keep me going pretty much for the day. But just before we go, Are you I having a to... bet today? No. Oh. Um, I just wanted to mention Jackson thought he might like to come on the farm inspection. Yeah. So next time you've got jd hayes on your show yeah. ask him about when he helped the captain do the farm inspection <laughs> support got so sick of getting out of the car and opening gates he just wanted to go back to lindsay park and clean troughs for ben for the next two months hey we had our talking about lindsay park we had our done deal out of the uh, half to my fun. fun yeah don't do life for fun philly yes um she didn't look like she knew, she knew what she was doing. No, they took her off the bridle and she didn't really stretch out too well. So I think they've got a little bit to work through still, but I'm sure she'll put it all together in time. Anyway, you know what? We've got to keep the faith, Captain. We keep the faith. Good on you, boys. All Have right. a good week and uh, look forward to seeing Amelia run on Saturday. Hey, Captain, and cheer, cheer. The mighty Brisbane Lions. I told you to get on. They will be winning the flag. They're unstoppable at the moment. They're unstoppable at home, Gareth. I'm just a bit worried when they get to the G. No, don't worry about the G. They will own the G like they did back in the early 2000s. We appreciate your time. Have a wonderful day. See ya. That was a fired up captain. That was breeding bloodstock and banter with the captain guy, Moldcaster. Gareth, all with you for another week.
Um, hopefully your horses win. Um, your foals are born safe and sound. And you have a wonderful week. And we'll catch up with you next week here on the Breeding Bloodstock and Banter Podcast.